Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts, Walker Near and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and today we're going to discuss games that don't really have a true narrative and the stories that we end up creating in those worlds. As always, I'm joined by Brett. Uh, what's up, man? What have you uh, What have you been playing recently? Um, more Minecraft. So, yeah. so much more Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think the last time we talked about Minecraft, you that's when you that's we were talking about the mods, and you you would like spend a whole day trying to get the mods, and then finally right. kind of got a collection. But if I'm not mistaken, you've changed a bit. Yeah, so we also talked about uh, my adventure, you know, some number of hours out into the wilderness and building a second base and blah, blah, mm -hmm, blah. So mm -hmm. I I got my nether portal set up, uh, which I spent like two straight days. I, I sent you some pictures just building. I carved out this small mountain into a, a shrine portal, hopped in long enough just to get a little bit of stuff to, to try to grow nether stuff with plants because uh, you need like base items for the mod to work, and then uh, promptly, uh, what? What? I don't remember even what happened. Oh yeah, so this was the Nether portal at my second base. That's right. Where was it? God, I don't. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. That's right. Because I died first. That's what mm -hmm. happened. I died. Mm -hmm. I died at the secondary base right after I got like the the first set of diamonds at the second base. Uh, I fell in a pit of lava that I couldn't get out of. It was like a deep lake and just dead. And then respawned actually like 600 or so blocks away from my initial base because I didn't know that the whole point of the sleeping bag mod was to not reset your spawn. So your spawn stays tied to your bed. Oh, and then you can use it. the sleeping bag to go adventure around, but it doesn't reset your roots and spawn. skip night without yeah, and food. skip night and and skip monsters and stuff and thunderstorms. Yeah, so I spawned. So what had happened is early in my adventure, I found a, a little village, like not even halfway. That my my secondary base was like six thousand blocks or eight, six or eight thousand blocks away from my uh, my first base because and, you sailed for like two hours across yeah. the ocean to find the second correct right. and uh Without any idea how to get back no although death well, kind of i i knew it was like it, southwest ish <laughs> that's okay. all i knew just to, just so we're all clear i'm making a non-believing facial expression right now right so. Go on. <laughs> and then, so when I died, I spawned, and I was in the middle of this village. And I was not at my base, either of them. I was not at either of my bases. I was in a village, because I slept overnight in a villager's bed ah, when okay. I was journeying halfway, and so it set my spawn <laughs> in the middle of this village. Long story short, was closer to my original base than my new one, so traveled home, and was like, I'll just build another portal here. Spent two days building an awesome nether portal, and then just kind of fizzled out. Like, I I don't remember exactly what it was. I'm sure it was seeing... Oh, that's what it was. I do remember now. Um, I was like, well, you know, I still want to... I was trying to do some... Just updating my mods, and I went to update the Biomes of Plenty mod, and noticed that you had to set... There was, like, big, giant red warning text that... I probably read it initially and then totally forgot when 
after I'd applied, you know, like I said, the whole Saturday worth of mod fighting. Um, by the end of it, I forgot that I needed to change config files or do any work at all. And if you don't set your world spawn type as a Biome So Plenty world, you won't get them. Mm. So I didn't have any of the Biome So Plenty stuff, and I was like, oh no. It's just a whole giant mod that I can't use now. Mm. And Biomes of Plenty really adds some awesome, beautiful stuff. And I'm like, I, I want that. Mm-hmm. So I I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I was like, no, I'm going to go through, I'm going to get more mods, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm going to grab some of the other stuff that I was thinking about. I, I, I like this druid idea of a character, but I don't want to stick to it, and I wasn't really sticking to it. I was making modern-style houses and stuff, so I was like, whatever. I'm, I don't have any goal of what I'm doing, so scrap the whole game and download probably 20 more mods and start a new game in biomes of plenty but i don't want to have to grind through as much like i want to be able to if i want to adventure to a location before i set up my base right Mm -hmm. so i decided i was like one of the mods that i added i don't remember which one adds this like you spawn with this necklace and it adds a necklace slot or a charm slot and the necklace gives this really vague description of like you have a hazy memory of something and you think that something is important um, and there's a name inscribed on it and, and it says your name, right? It's like just enough of a story hook that it could be a literally any story hook, but it's kind of neat, neat little piece of lore that they just threw into it. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool. And I was like, I, I also found – so. In playing, you know, we're in a Discord together and, and with some friends, and I was sharing some screenshots with you from my old game and stuff, and, and basically telling small snippets of story as I adventured around, because like we discussed in the last video, didn't want to record videos all the time, didn't want to have to do the editing, but I did want to share the experience and and the adventure that I was kind of making up in my head and, and share images of what I'm doing. And I stumbled across a mod that adds a camera into the game. Like, it's like an actual little Polaroid camera item, and you can use the scroll wheel to zoom, and it takes pictures that it will store as an image in your inventory, and it uses paper to, like, it. one piece of paper is one picture. And I was like, well, that's really kind of cool. Like, I like this a lot. And it comes with, you can get a picture album. You can either store your pictures on, like, picture frames, which allows you to put them on the wall, and you can resize them to make them, like, giant or small, so you can make, like, itty-bitty ones, like, 4 by 6s or whatever. And, and, like, all in all, and there's a picture album, and you can put, like, 50-some-odd pictures in there. So I'm like, that's really cool. I like that. And that's, you know, instead of sharing screenshots, I can actually take images in-game. And and I was like, well, if I'm going to do that, then these snippets of story that I kind of half-assed was sending to you, I could instead maybe role-play a little bit more and use the the quill in, or the, the, the book in quill or whatever in-game that allows you to write text down in it. And I was like, and maybe I could start as an adventurer of some sort. Like, I had this idea in my mind of, like, mist or something where you know, you, you travel into a book into an unknown world and you're stuck there and you got to figure stuff out or whatever. I didn't know what I was going with. But anyways, like, I decided that I didn't want cheats enabled, but I wanted to cheat myself in inventory. And I probably spent half the day trying to figure out if I needed to make my own mod or if I could, if there's an inventory setting mod, but again, not for the version that I have. Long story short, I realized that if you open it to LAN, you can enable cheats as an admin 
cheat in whatever you want and then restart the game and just you're still in survival mode and can't cheat and it's not that i thought that i would cheat i just don't want that like temptation right because i'm i get really we've talked before about if i cheat something into a game i feel like it's the whole game is invalidated even if it's one block that i could already get so i cheated in an inventory and i was like i want to limit it to like 10 or 11 items just like the hot bar so i did like a sleeping bag uh to get through the first night so i could venture around like a small 10 stack of beef jerky which actually ended up not even being nearly as good as any other food in the game it's like pretty wimpy food um the camera a stack of paper a picture album to store the pictures in uh a book and quill like in a quote-unquote adventurer's hat which gives you like it's a little bit better than a leather hat and it looks like an indiana jones hat so you know I changed my skin to look like kind of a steampunky adventurer, like a guy with a like totally different character. I wanted something that wasn't me, but like a character. And like some torches and, and a, oh, and a candle on like a little clay platter, or like iron platter. So it's like a candlestick on a platter. And was like, I want to journal my experience in game as if I were... It's just some character that's dropped into this world, you know? I want to forget everything I know about Minecraft and view it from the eyes of this character. What do they see? What do they know? They, they don't know what creepers are. I may, they don't, you know? So, like, trying to really get myself in the role of it. And it, it has, long story short, it has been the most fun I have had playing really anything in a long time but definitely minecraft like i'm i'm on a pokemon snap game play of like trying to document every creature in the game so like the camera and paper are always in my inventory um and i take pictures of you know my house and i talk about it like i spawn in a bog and it was really hard to get to a decent spot of land to build and just the fact that trees and plants grow like instantly so there must be like magic in this world and my character has it like yeah i went with the cliche kind of amnesia thing not that he didn't know like who he was at all but just doesn't know why he's here or why he's waking up with it and and this stuff in his inventory and like just trying to kind of like like the the trees magically growing and and wheat growing super fast and stuff trying to play that off as magic within the world like it's a in a video game concept it makes sense you don't want to wait 20 years for a tree but like in the game world if i were this character dumped in like that would be fantastical right so i i'm trying to kind of play it out from their perspective from this character's perspective and i've written granted you there's not that many characters that go on a single page for like the book and quill. Um, but I'm almost to page 50. I'm on like day 45. Cause I'm tracking my actual days, like in game, not like real days, but like in game days. And, um, and I have a photo, my first photo albums almost full. And it's been a, and I haven't gotten that far in the game. <laughs> I have like a small starter house, some crops, uh, some chickens, and I, I've gotten a few diamonds, but I haven't done anything with them yet, and I'm just now, like, expanding my house. I did get a cat, though, for, which I quote-unquote rescued from a witch in a witch's hut. So I'm, my character's just now starting to learn about, like, other characters in the world and the sources of magic, so I think I'm going to start tying that in. But it's just, it's generated this massive story that 
I didn't expect, like, I, I felt bad at first. I was like, I'm cheating in equipment. I'm cheating in 10 pieces of equipment. But the whole reason was that the camera required redstone. And mm. I wanted to be able to take pictures from the very beginning. It's not very difficult to make. It's like redstone, iron, a stone button, and some stone or something like that to make the camera. It's not a big deal. But I was like, I want to take, I don't want to wait until I get to that point. Like a book and quill is a feather, some leathers, a book, you know, and and ink. It's not hard, but I didn't want to wait. I wanted to get it from the get-go. But I also didn't want to cheat. I was trying to actually put everything into a bonus chest to start with, because I figured then, whatever. But, yeah, it's just, it, it's forgetting everything I know, like, even though I'm not going to let a creeper just blow me up and kill me, but my character is going to, like, why is this thing charging after me? It's not speaking, you know, like, even the villagers and stuff, that the random trader that comes through, like, he I, I journal about how like i try to talk to him but he, he just makes weird noises and and points at pictures of emeralds in exchange for goods and so like i literally can't understand this character right mm-hmm. and I, I just it's it's this story that has evolved out of this modded minecraft world that i think that if i were playing normally a while i not wouldn't necessarily be further or you know further behind or anything like that i don't think i would be having as much fun because i know everything already or most things and i'm not it's just such a different way just just role-playing this experience out and not doing it in, in any rush sense i'm doing it again at my own pace i think i do eventually want to do a video but i think it's going to be from the perspective of like my future character going back and reading the journal and flipping through the photo album and that way i can just I have a script, which is the journal, and then I can crossfade images from the photo album, and I don't have to do the "Hey, what's up, YouTube?" and and <laughs> I don't have to I don't have to be on spot. I can take my time and actually craft. Like maybe when I I'm thinking like when I hit like a hundred pages on the book or something, that maybe that'll be the beginning, and then I can do you know what like a fifteen minute video, and just have my image albums and stuff, and then that's chapter one and that's fine and then i can go back to playing for however long i want but it's just it it is such a i i don't think that i've had this much fun especially solo like i think the closest that i would get would be something like D D, as far as like a generated story that has me like i'm invested in this character like there are days that three four days go by and i'm just building a house and there's not much to put in the journal except building a house takes a lot of work you know i decided Mm -hmm. to put a second floor on the cat that i rescued is really loud and annoying so she's named uh catherine von boghowler (laughs) and because i found her in a bog and she cries all the time so but it's like i wouldn't invest i wouldn't care about a pet in minecraft especially a cat like the wolves can be useful or whatever but they're neat but i'm not gonna something that's howling in my house i'm not gonna put up with i'm gonna send it away or something but like this character's not that so i just turn mm-hmm. friendly friendly sounds down and deal with it and <laughs> and i made it a litter box and a food and water dish and like all this stuff that i wouldn't do normally is now happening in game and i think it's just super fun it's super fun to it's like that new game experience without 
all of the hassle of having to wiki things. Like, so I know how Minecraft works already, so I'm not constantly in a wiki, but I'm also kind of pretending that I don't know, you know, and, and that's, it's really fun. I'm having, I'm having a blast with it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, when you first said you were going to play Minecraft, I kind of was on the fence about it and I don't know, I just felt kind of non-committal. And then, like I shared last time we talked, I downloaded the Mine Colonies mod pack, which was like 130 or something mods, and uh, quit pretty fast, like within, you know, five minutes. And so then on Friday night, I was like, all right, I'm going to try it again. So I went again on Curse and like that curse app or whatever, which I don't know if it's a setting that can be enabled, but I don't actually have the ability through the Twitch app, the curse app to search for individual mods. It only, I only see mod packs. Um, so, so anyway, so I was like, well, whatever. So I was looking and um, like, if I go on the website on curses website, then I can find individual. Oh, right. Mods. Right. Yeah. But through the app itself, I just don't, I like, I, yeah, I just don't see an option. I'm probably just don't know how it works, but anyway. Um, so I found this other mod pack called SevTech, and I was like, "Oh, well, that sounds cool because it actually has like built-in progression gates where like ores don't show up in the world until you've achieved, you know, accomplished some achievement that the game has this mod has built in or something." And I was like, "Oh, well, that's kind of neat to slowly unlock things or whatever." Right. Well, it turns out that had like over 250 mods. Oh my god. It took so long to load. And then once it did, it was like kind of choppy, which I don't have like, you know, a beast rig or something, but certainly enough of one that I should be able to run Minecraft fine. But with well, that many mods. Yeah, you're probably having to get into Java arguments and expanding <laughs> yeah. your RAM for your game and stuff, which I do some of, but it is kind of tedious and. And it, I mean, once things would load, like once a chunk would load, it seemed like it was kind of stable, you know? So I was like, all right, except that it, it, it's not the RL mod at all, but it has kind of some of the same stuff you were talking about where like to make, to make a hatchet, you have to make a, uh, like a, like a mesh thing or something. And then take gravel and then you, you like you find gravel and you can mine that with your hand so then you pick up the gravel and then put that in the mesh thing in your inventory and then that will give you a flint oh nice and then you have to to take the flint and just put it in your hand and then like left click or whatever and swing it basically and hit it on a stone and then it will break into flint shards right and then you can make a hatchet out of it nice and I was like, at first I was like, I don't care about this. And I was like, you know what? It's not actually that hard. I'm just going to do it and see where it goes. Right. So I played for probably 15 minutes and then totally wasn't looking where I was going and like backed off into a hole that went into lava <clears throat> and then lost what little I had managed to obtain. And then I was <laughs> like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. So quit. Um, <laughs> and then you continued sharing screenshots and stuff what you were just describing. And so I was like, still kind of into it. Like I, I even went and looked at like server prices. I was like, well, maybe we should rent a server and then we could just right. create a world and, you know, jump in that. And so I was talking to you about it. And so then you sent me a, you were like, well, I could just zip all my mod files and send them to you. And I was like, yeah, all right. 
so you did that. So I actually made that game last night and started playing a bit. Um, and yeah, it seems like it's much more up my alley because it's got quite a few, like, I don't know what all mods you have and what all they right. do, but there's quite a few mods there, but there, there's not 250. Right. Um, and it's not overly complicated where I have to break flint against a stone. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> right. It's just normal recipes. Um, so I, I like that a lot. Um, but anyway, I don't, I haven't done anything like you've done. I, I spawned in a village, ran up a hill that's kind of next to the village. It kind of overlooks the village and this like lava waterfall coming out of the, the side of a mountain and started clearing off stone. And then it became night and then skeletons came out and then I tried to fight them and died several times. They can be nasty. Like first days in Minecraft are no joke. Like there's a reason people hide in holes. Like, right. <laughs> well, but then I realized that I'm by this village. So I just went into one of those and then there's a bed. So then I just slept in one of the villagers beds and made it morning. But there were still like six skeletons that had spawned. So even though they're on fire, when I go outside the next morning, they can still shoot for a while. Yeah. There was a creeper that doesn't die in the sunlight. There's a right. spider that doesn't die. So I think I ended up having like six graves in total before it was all said and done. The great thing about the graves, though, is you can get your items back. Because one of yep. the other things that Amulet does is it gives you like plus one or two damage to any anything that you have and mm. like plus one armor. Mm-hmm. So like a quick and it's just its own slot. So that's that makes like you could punch things and you're not going to like punch a creeper off a cliff into the space or anything. Like, you're not one punch man. But that one or two extra damage goes a long way in making a stone sword something that you can at least wield you know mm-hmm. and i think that the and the gravestone mod just so you don't you can log off and and your items are still where you died right like if you alt f4 or just if the game crashes you're not going to lose any like it's just gets in your grave so uh, i think that there's some i think starting in a village sounds like a really fun i'm tempted to like start a mine colony area like start into that mod that mod because i have that one installed but i haven't pushed for it yet and i think that pretty soon my character oh, wait, mine colonies is in that mod yeah, pack. mine colonies me? is in that mod pack yep well but so but i thought i guess but in so, the, so we're playing on the current version which has the updated villagers yes stuff in it so it, it's village and pillage plus mine colonies mm. so they're two they work separately and they work in different ways and there are things that you can do with the villagers and village and pillage like the the trading and leveling up and and getting their jobs assigned and stuff and some of that kind of stuff is in mine colonies but mine colonies is also closer to like the millionaire where you can kind of help them decide what their buildings should look like and you can blueprint them and stuff i I haven't again i don't even know that i could be talking totally wrong i think that's about where it is but I, i haven't got too deep into it yet i just knew that i wanted to throw it in there um plus it it requires the structurized mod, which is what gives you all your roof tiles, which look really, really pretty. Ah, I got you. So, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, uh, as you know, um, have never really role played in like, like in like D and D or something. Um, I've tried twice. One time I worked at this call center where we had no calls like literally we would get like two calls a day and they were miss routes because we were a brand new department. Oh, nice. So eventually like after a month or so there were actual calls for us, but, uh, but yeah, for that first bit there weren't. And so this one dude was like, Hey, he really liked role-playing games. And he was like, Hey, I could bring in 
like this book and like me and another guy and him, he was like, you guys can create characters and I can kind of like DM basically. And uh, it was, I don't know. I have no idea what it was. It was probably something you would, you would know if I knew the name of it, but it was basically like superhero kind of. Okay. Like stuff. a, like a mutants and masterminds sort of, there's a few of them. There's a lot of RPG. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so, but it, it wasn't fantasy. It was, it was superhero type stuff. And so he was like, all right, so look through this book and it lists all of the different abilities that your character could have. And so I want you to choose two abilities for your character. And I was like, okay. Except the problem that I've always ran into with role-playing games is that I, I treat them like video games where I'm trying to win as opposed I... to have an experience, which is actually the point. And so I was like, oh, cool, I got it. And I picked invisibility and invincibility as my two <laughs> abilities. And he was like, really? Like, the two most powerful things you could do? And I was like, well, yeah. How can I lose now? You know, like, right. you said pick me too, right? Yeah. You said two, except, yeah. Except then what happened was that he had to then create enemies that either could see invisible or still do damage to an invincible character. Because otherwise... What are we doing? You know, because he tried to create some scenes with like normal stuff. And I was just like, yeah, I disappear and then run away. And then if I got found somehow, I was like, yeah, I don't take any damage. So whatever. I'll fight he's everyone. He's going to have to deal emotional damage to you. Like your girlfriend yeah. breaks up with you. I'm very vulnerable <laughs> to that. So that would have been smart. <laughs> That's your kryptonite. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Sensitivity. Um, but so, but, but so then I just got mad because I, because the, the enemies he was creating felt cheap because I knew they were constructed specifically to counter what I had, I... which then made what I had suck. Whereas if I would have had like laser beam eyes, he, he wouldn't have had to constantly create things that were immune to lasers. You right. know what I mean? Right. He could have just had us do fights and things, you know, you roll for stuff. Or he whatever. had to instantly make you have a kryptonite, which then makes it makes you not have fun because you now the want powers to, I have can't yeah, be used. Exactly. Right. You have a he force field just, that eats lasers. And... Right. <laughs> he should have just said you can't pick those two together. Like you Correct. can pick one of those two, but you can't have them together. Correct. But I think he I think he didn't understand how committed I was to being bad at role playing. And then the <laughs> other time, which isn't on purpose, it's just, I'm just a bad person. So that's not the true. other time I <laughs> the other time I tried to role play was me and some friends in high school. And one of them was like, yeah, like I've played D and D before. And he wasn't like a serious role player or again, where this other guy had like books and stuff, but he was so my buddy in high school was like, yeah, I can, I can DM and you guys can roll characters. And it was very simple. It wasn't like a long character creation process or anything like that. So he, uh, he agrees to DM. So we roll our characters and we like talk to someone in the tavern and they're like, yeah, there's a cave that's, got treasure in it or infested with baddies or I don't know. For some reason we're compelled to go to the cave. Right. So we do and we fight like two things and I loot like a silver spoon. And again, you have to understand that the only role playing games I've played up to this point are like Diablo and Dark Age of Camelot, which is an old MMO. And in those games, the way it works is you have an inventory limit. So you pick up stuff and then, especially like in Diablo, you drop a town portal scroll, hop back to town, vendor it, see if the vendor's got anything that you might want to buy. If not, portal back and continue on. Right. So I got like a, 
a, you know, a copper spoon or something. And I was like, all right, let's go back to town. I want to sell. I want to see what this is worth. And he was like, it doesn't really like you guys have to walk all the way back to town. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Who cares? Like, we're, we're walking, you know, okay. Again, totally defeating the point. <laughs> we get back to town and I'm like, all right, I want to go to the tavern and sell this. And he's like, okay. So I go into the tavern guy and I'm like, Hey, I want to sell this. And he's like, I don't really want that. And I was like, this is, come on, you buy stuff. That's what you do. Because <laughs> in my head, he's an NPC whose sole purpose is to be a gold vending machine. Right. And so he was like, okay, fine, I'll give you. And like, we're, we're basically stealing like the Dark Age of Camelot currencies, which is like copper and then silver and then gold and then platinum. And those roll up into each other, right? right. Like 100 copper is a silver and so on. So anyway, he was like, okay, fine, I'll give you five copper. And I was like, no, no, give me, I want 10 silver for this. And he was like, I, it's, it's worth five copper. And I was like, we're making all of this up right now. You can give me 10 silver for it. There's no reason that it has to be five copper. And he was like, it's not worth that much. And I was like, use inflation. I don't care what we have to do. You know what I mean? Do quantitative easing at this damn tavern and my 10 silver. And he was like, this isn't how it works. And I was like, I'll tell you how it works. I quit. And then I, that was it. We stopped playing and I never played again. The, the reality um, is that uh, Dark Age of Camelot stole D&D currency. Right. And right. so like sure, all MMOs do. Like 10 silver is like you wanted $10 for a rusty spoon. Right. And the, and the tavern keep is not a gold vending machine. They're treated like a realistic individual who's going to look at you like you're some frothing at the mouth guy burst right. into their tavern and slammed a, a spoon on the table and demanded $10 for it. I'm basically a couple of years ago, I was, I was putting my groceries up in the parking lot of a car. Excuse me, I was in the parking lot of the grocery store and I was putting my groceries in the car is what I meant to say. And this woman comes up to me and she's trying to trade me a coupon that she has. Like she has a coupon that's like $5 off something that I don't want to buy. And she wants me to give her a $5 bill for that. And I couldn't get out of that situation fast enough. <laughs> that's who I was at the tavern. Exactly. With her, like a like a mangy cat under one arm just screaming. Right. And like... Except at least the coupon has technically value if you really wanted to buy that, whereas the spoon is of use to no one. It is probably exciting. And I have no idea what anything in that world is worth. So right. I don't why do I want ten silver? Maybe the sword I want only cost ten copper. I don't you know what I mean? Like the whole thing was stupid. Maybe the spoon was worth a gold, you know. Yeah, like... I wasn't I wasn't fun about it. I get that now. But at the time I felt very, very strong in my position. You cleared um, the first room of the cave, ditched the rest of the quest. I think one mob. I think one mob and I found the spoon and was like, back to town, we're selling. <laughs> um anyway. However, <laughs> I promise I'll land the plane. No, you're fine. However, so the kind of experience where I do have, where I do see a similarity in what you're talking about, it's not the same kind of role playing because it's not, I'm not journaling in that kind of way. And it's, it's not a Minecraft kind of game where you're exploring a world like that. Right. Uh, which I think is more similar to like a D and D kind it's of closer. experience. I mean, again, it's, it's not an it's, it's not an infinite or infinitely complex world. It may be right. generated, but there's right. only so much that that can do. Right. So a long time ago, uh, when we were like in kindergarten, me and, and my childhood best friend, uh, he found this game called Romance of the Three Kingdoms, which is actually the title of a series of books that is written about this certain period in 
China. Okay. And it, so it's kind of like, um, I, I don't know how widespread it is in Chinese culture. Like, I don't want to say it's a religion because I don't know that that's true. But, like, and it, it, it's it's hard to compare because in America we don't, we, we trivialize things. We don't hold things. And But it, it's kind of like the way everyone thinks that, like, Abe Lincoln and George Washington were, like, these perfect individuals or something, you know, or, like, they're right. held up. They're, there's folklore behind them. Yeah, it's like that, except they're not just, these people aren't politicians, they're warriors. But it's like, you know, one dude can beat, like, a hundred guys or something in a battle and, right. and that kind of stuff. So they're they're mythologically powerful i guess you could say anyway um the period though that's happening it's not the warring states period uh i don't remember what the period is called and i promise i didn't plan this but if you go to the walk show podcast (laughs) there is an episode (laughs) called three kingdoms total war preview because that's the newest three kingdoms game that came out just in like may of, of 2019 and uh, I did a podcast on the walk show about that, where we explain the whole history in much more detail. Right so, now, it's a good episode. You know, is, is this the like Shogun period? No, because that's Japan. Oh, that's right. Burp. So, uh, whereas this is, yeah, this is in China. Okay. Uh, I think it's it's like I don't know. Nah, it's, it's, it's fine. Like I, I obviously don't know either. So yeah, I want to say it's like the later Han or something, but that's probably okay. not right. I don't know. Whatever. People can Google it or <laughs> listen to the walk show where we describe it in immaculate detail there you go um anyway all of this is to say that so so romance of the three kingdoms is kind of like civilization uh in that you're like the the, it's the map is china and it's just city states everywhere and the goal of the game is to unite all of china under one flag so you're you're trying to conquer all the other territories and so there's you know, you build up your city and you recruit an army and you invest in your economy and you invest in your farming and uh, you have to be able to feed your population and then you can draft soldiers and go to war and and that kind of stuff. But it's actually a really, really, uh, I mean, and there's, they still make those games to this day. Like there's a new, I think the latest one is 13, Romance of the Three Kingdoms 13. um, That's out on on Steam. Excuse me. But anyway, so, uh, it's really a, a really simple game though. Like, you know, there's only in, in your city, there's only four things. Like you can invest in the economy, you can invest in your farms, you can spend time training your soldiers, or you can build up the dam so that if like, like if your city happens to be next to a river, then if it floods, then the dam will prevent the damage from that. Um, and, and, and so as far as the actual, like, empire meta strategy of it compared to something like civilization or even the total war games. Um, it's, it's pretty limited. However, the way that you issue commands. So like in civilization, if you want to build a new building in your city, you click on the building, I mean, on a city, you click the building that you want. It has a build time of so many turns and that's it. Right. In romance, if you want to train your soldiers you have to assign a general to that activity and then he is assigned to that. Okay. And if you want to recruit. And so basically to get anything done, you have to have generals to do those things. And the generals all have their own stat points. So they have like intelligence and charm and strength and all sorts of different, there's, I don't know, probably six or eight stat categories. So if you want more generals, then you have to send a general that you already have out 
to go look for people. Okay. And so the way that happens is you like go to your, your list of generals, you pick one and you tell them the task and then it actually pops up and your general will say like, I think I'll find someone or I don't think I'll be successful or, or whatever. So it, where it really differs from a game like Civilization is that it kind of has a very strong character drive to it because yeah. you get to kind of know, if you will, all these different generals and they all have little faces. Right. So you kind of come to recognize I them. I don't think I've ever known anybody, but even not even the person I'm playing in Civ. I know the other nation leaders but i definitely don't know any of the little groups of army men or the workers or yeah right and so and so what that what the reason that i my friend and i think enjoyed it so much and still love the series to this day is that um we ended up just kind of role-playing it without knowing like we didn't call it that or we didn't set out to do that but that's really what we did because it's like like you, like my friend, for example, he would he would send choose a general to send them on a mission to go find someone, and if they said no, he would cancel and then select him again and do it again, <laughs> and he would do that until they said yes. I'll think I'll find someone, and they don't always find someone if they said yes. I think I can, but he felt that the odds were better if they had a optimistic outlook on it. I'm going to ask you until you believe in yourself, Mister General. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a very very zen thing that he was doing. Um. But yeah, or like, like, like generals can betray you and stuff. So like, sometimes you might ask a general, like send troops to somewhere and they might deny their request. And then it's like, I feel like you're getting ready to betray me, which is why you won't get rid of these troops that aren't really yours because it's my kingdom, but you're the governor of that city. So now, you know, and so then you hate that guy because you think he's shady. And so then you try and remove him from office and replace him with (laughs) someone else. And so like the whole reason that we like the game so much is because we created all these stories and all these narratives around these characters, but the game doesn't explicitly say any of that. You know right. what I mean? Like, I mean, the game does explicitly say, no, I don't think I can find anybody, but nowhere does it suggest that you should continue having them do that over and over again. Right. Just because the journal didn't want to remove troops or send them somewhere else. doesn't mean he's actually going to betray you, but right. you know, don't talk to your King like that. Like, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it, it it it's interesting because you know he and I still talk about that game to this day, and and again still play it on occasion, and it, it's really hard to sell other people on it because it, there's just not actually as much going on. And in the newer versions, it's gotten a lot more complicated. So um, you know, a modern gamer could probably enjoy it, but especially like on the Sega Genesis version that we used to play in like the the menus aren't even full words so everything's abbreviations that are not you know um intuitive right so you just kind of have to like fumble around through it until you find out what stuff like let's click this and then it's like hey your farming went up and you're like oh cool that was how we increase farms i couldn't tell that from the text F on the menu what looks like maybe an r and a squiggle yeah well but it, but it would be stuff like like management is like, you know, MGMT or something, which now I would know. But when I was six, I didn't know what that was. Um, There's another game called Genghis Khan that's made by, by the same company. Koei is the name of the studio that makes it. And it was for Super Nintendo. It was Genghis Khan Clan of the Gray Wolf. But it was very similar um, to, to romance in a lot of ways. And yeah, same thing there. Like we, we just, (laughs) 
<laughs> one of the greatest ironies was in in Genghis Khan, each it's a global map, so it's not just China. Okay. And each country has unique a unique trade resource that only they so like India gets Ooh. elephants or some other country gets like textiles, right? Well, we had never heard of textiles and the symbol for textiles was now I understand supposed to be a piece of cloth, but it kind of looked like a book. And since it was textile, ah. we thought it was a book. And so we would, if one of us was playing as that, that faction, anytime we would trade books to someone else, especially if it was to one another, like if you're playing co-op in the same game, we would insist that the other person's faction was illiterate and they needed all these textiles to learn to read, which is hilariously <laughs> ironic because we don't know what textiles mean. We're actually the illiterate ones. <laughs> you knew what illiterate was, though, enough to make yeah. fun of them. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah. That is um, <laughs> so good. So yeah, that's kind of a... Not that I have nothing more to say, but that's kind of a summary of my role-playing experience is either me subverting it entirely so that it's not fun or me doing it in weird empire builder games well, that aren't really designed for that. But I, I think that's that it, how we extract the value. I do think it brings kind of a point, though, that like I, I get – and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like if if you had invited somebody over to play romance and they, they agreed but really treated it like a game, like we're kind of hardcore about it and just like – min max the game and try to win as quick as possible it probably wouldn't be as fun for you because you're like no that guy's shady like he's gonna betray you and like no or not like i know how this game works this is just something he says i'm just gonna make him do it again and it's gonna happen right and, and like so if they played it or even somebody that was like very experienced in the game or a speed runner or something probably wouldn't be enjoyable to watch because that flavor isn't there right and and I, I kind of feel like like that's that's kind of what I had gotten to in Minecraft. Like even though in my first world I was I was building some cool stuff, it didn't tie into anything. It didn't matter. Like when I died, I was I definitely was like, oh my god, I just that sucks. But I also like, eh, it's whatever. It's Minecraft. I don't care that I, I didn't have too rare a gear on me to never get it again or anything. So it wasn't that crushing. It was mostly that just my base was two hours away. Uh, but it, I wasn't even really happy with that base because it was still building the starter house to later come back to to do a mega build like uh, my whole reasoning for playing was i should have played in creative if i wanted to do a mega build right but now i don't have any mega builds planned and i don't know if i'll get to that point but i have a really cool story it's it's like an interactive book and i've, I've done quite a bit of writing i've done a lot of, of sci-fi and fantasy writing and stuff and and quite a few short stories and this is it plays into that in an interactive way that oftentimes i'll have that stream of consciousness thought in my head that like oh man i, I wonder what this character is thinking or like oh maybe i'll build this these structures and make them look the same so that I can kind of theme some stuff. But that theme is because this mountain looks magical or whatever, and kind of touched on some of that in the last episode. But I think that, that actually writing it down and writing it down in game. Cause I also thought about blogging it, right? Like we, we mm -hmm. had mentioned that I was like, I used to blog playthroughs of games before I did any sort of streaming. And that was fun. Like take screenshots as you go and write a little blog about what you're doing. I even did that some in Kerbal because a lot of the Kerbal forums were active with that kind of stuff because 
it took so long to build something and you had to test something so many times that it just worked better to wait until you had something functional and maybe you could show some screenshots of the version 1 through 12 and then maybe a short video of version 13 that worked and then the rest of it would just be chunks of text describing what you did. Mm-hmm. And so I thought about doing that with Minecraft as well because I, you know, I was basically doing that with you in taking screenshots. It would just be more of that. Um, but doing it in-game, just like it's half writing a story, but unlike you know, like being a DM for D&D or being a, just a, a writer, I'm only so much in control of the world, right? Like I can choose what to build, but I can't choose when the trader shows up or when his llamas trample my crops that forces me to build a fence or, mm-hmm. you know, when skeletons attack or when raiders happen or when I'm out adventuring and there's a bog with a witch's hut and a cat next to it. it like, I'm not in control of those things, so those happen to me, but I have the camera and the book. So, like, I was actually, when I found the witch, I was I was on a mountaintop, because there's a mountain not far from my, my little house that I always kind of wanted to visit. So I went and visited it and took a picture of my house from the top of the mountaintop, which was kind of cool. But then when I looked over to the side, I saw the witch's hut in a bog, you know, some distance down. So I kind of hopped over to the other mountaintop, and the witch was outside of the hut. And I was like, I bet I can sneak in and steal everything and get out right mm-hmm. and so i sneak i take the long way around i get close and then this cat darts out runs away from me and is screaming like rawr, 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 and running away from me so i'm like i gotta quiet the cat before he's gonna alert the witch right now this is not how it works in minecraft but i was so engrossed into the character right that i was like no oh, he's gonna alert the witch like i've got so i'm chasing this cat and i've got cooked fish but the the cooked fish the cat's not interested in i need raw fish right and it's this it's a, like a swamp so there's little puddles and little islands just all over the place and these thorny berry bushes everywhere so i'm like the witch put all of these thorn bushes everywhere to slow down attackers and they're slowing me down so i'm like trying to dodge them mm-hmm. and the cat gets attacked by a lamprey which is like a a leech basically a leech fish right so it attacks the cat and it's latched onto it and I'm like, so it's squealing even more. And I'm like, well, I don't want to kill the cat. So I, I swing, I kill the lamprey, which drops a raw fish. Mm. And then, nice. the, which had popped into my inventory. I had an open slot, which happened to be like where I'd, I scroll to whenever I'm not wielding something because I didn't want to kill the cat with the sword, which meant that I held up the fish to the cat. And the cat immediately looks at me and it's missing hearts because it was being attacked by the lamprey. So I feed it. And all of a sudden, it's my cat, because that's how the game works, is if you feed a cat mm-hmm. a fish, it's your pet now, you know, and it'll follow you. And I didn't know what I was doing, so I, I right-clicked it twice with the fish, but I only had one fish, so it fed the fish. But then I guess if you right-click, because uh, I've never really done the pet ownership in Minecraft, so I knew none of this. But if you right-click an animal, it sits, and it'll just stay there. And so I commanded it to sit. And then I went and sniped out the witch from long distance, like killed it with a bow and arrow. And, but the, the cat wasn't coming to me. So I had to like go back to it and was like, oh, it's safe now. You can follow me. And, and, but all of this was just because like it just, it happened. But when I, when I went to write it down, now I had an adventure to write about. And I had all these cool experiences, some of them tied to actual game mechanics, but some of them tied to stuff that I was just literally in the zone, right? Right. And and 
so the world was generated by the, the computer, so I didn't have to write all. I didn't have to do the world building part of writing, which can be difficult sometimes. Um, but I did get to to write about the experience and this character part of it. So it was like it, it's this cool kind of like the game is co-authoring with me, or I'm co-authoring with the game because like it was just a bunch of berry bushes in a swamp biome with a witch's hut. But like, how did those berries get there? Well. The witch doesn't want to be bothered, so they're going to plant thorny berry bushes everywhere, and that's going to keep people away. And, like, mm. you know, so that's just my – and the cat screaming isn't going to summon the witch, but I – I don't know. I, I yeah. It was in the moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's – I think there's just a ton of – I mean, my my buddy and I that, that played Romance of the Three Kingdoms that I was talking about, I mean, we we realized – when we were kids that we were, I don't, we didn't use the word role-playing. I think we called it just pretending, but we, I mean, that's basic, you know, it's the same kind of idea, but it's like there, there's actually just a lot of power in that. Um, Like in dark age of Camelot, that MMO that I talked about that we played, there's a loose story in that, but it's not like modern MMOs or even like wow classic, which, you know, is out now, but there are a lot of quests in WoW Classic and in most games that came after that, that really, if you want to, to read it, you know, or now most of them are voiced actually, but it tells a story. You know what I mean? Like there is a story, there is oh, yeah. a narrative. I mean, there's and in, the, like Skyrim books are. Right. Too, right. So, right. Whereas in dark age of Camelot, the premise is that King Arthur has died. And so it's a dark age of Camelot makes sense. And so Camelot is, is the faction of Albion. And then there's the faction of Hibernia, which is like Celtic stuff. So like the Irish (laughs) and then, and then the other faction is Midgard, which is Vikings and Norse stuff. Right. So you basically have like England, Ireland, and I don't know, Denmark. I don't know. (laughs) something. (laughs) I have Danish heritage. So I try and try and prop them up. Anytime I work that in there. I one of my old stand-up jokes was actually about <clears throat> Danish. Anyway, I won't do it. Um, <laughs> so I'll tell you. After. I was going to say, I'll have to ask you because I don't know that I've heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good, but uh, which is why I do podcasts now instead. So, um, but anyway, but there's not, there's not really a lot of quests in dark age of Camelot. Like once you get, once you start leveling, there's like one Epic quest line that starts at like level 20, I think, and goes all the way to the max level but you only get one quest every so often and there's still not that much text. So it's, right. and it's also kind of a smaller story. And so, you know, honestly, even in that, which is a role-playing game already, at least by definition of video game RPG, um, we still ended up kind of role-playing a lot in that. Like we played stealther characters and my buddy made a guild that was all stealthers only. So you could only join because it was like, in the faction we played, there was three classes that could stealth. So you could only get in the guild if you were a stealther, which is not common in MMOs right. to limit the, the a guild recruitment based on class. Right. <laughs> right. Um, it's a thieves guild, you know. It was, yeah. It, but it was but it was really cool. And like he actually recruited a lot of people and actually built some really good relationships through it. And That's awesome. He, quit, he actually faked his own real life death to get away from it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, then, and then came back a few years later and, and, you know, he had sold the account. So then 
we created new characters on the same server, same faction, and ran into those guild people. And, and some of the people who he had kind of, who were kind of his right-hand people whenever he was running the guild were still in charge of it. Wow. So he messaged them and was like, hey, like, it's me. And they're like, you died. That's not you. Like, what, you know, what are you doing? Right. And so this is so hilarious. So the way that he would greet the guild when he would log on is he would say, like, hail. The guild was called, I think, Shadows of Darkness. So he would say, hail, Shadows of Darkness. Except the way he would type the H is, like, on the keyboard between the P and, like, I, I don't know if it's a back or forward slash, but whatever key is underneath the backspace key, between that is the two brackets. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then there's also the squiggly brackets. Yeah. Well, if you do closed bracket and then open squiggly bracket, it kind of makes an H because it's got that little squiggle okay, mark that yeah, comes yeah. out in the middle. So that's how he made the H when he would type hail. Ah. And so they were like, they were like, you know, no, that guy died. And he was like, no, it's really me. And then he typed hail like that. And they were all mind blown and immediately These believed are that it was real people who believed a real other person has come back from them. and like to like not only like that moment of in between them being proven that it was actually him had yes. to be the weirdest moment that like you play in a game and somebody comes in like and maybe you didn't know them super personally but like even somebody referencing that other person it's like how does this person know that guy right, right? like what kind fear. of weird troll is this and how would they have it's got to be somebody other in the guild that's like some old member or something like right. Right. to even know that and to even say that like i would be sitting this like what is going on he, and they, they cared they held a funeral for him in game holy and like, crap uploaded screenshots of them all sitting in rows on pews in this chapel that was in the world and like doing a service and like someone gave like a eulogy <laughs> and like, like this whole thing. And yeah. So we told <laughs> the story that we told him that when he died was that because the thing is, is that selling your count is illegal, right? But not illegal, but against the terms of service. Right. And so we didn't want his account to get reported by whoever he's, you know, whenever, whoever he sold it to, we didn't want them to be, you know, hosed because it gets reported. Right. So I logged onto my character and told them that he had died and that, well, I, I told them that he was in a hospital and he wasn't going to make it and that we were selling the account to raise money for <laughs> his funeral. Right. And they were like, what happened? And we told him that <laughs> he had seen an old lady getting mugged and he had intervened and been shot. Oh my God. <laughs> like he's a hero in the real world too. <laughs> so then, so then whenever he does the hail thing and reintroduces himself, he uh, he just he just explains that he actually just was in a coma and that he actually recovered. Oh, my God. Is it just more lies? Oh, yeah. <laughs> These poor people. He wanted to take the guild back over because he was like, like, it's like, I feel like like I want it again. So that's why he introduced himself to them because he wanted to get back in. Right. He did. Except then we were out running around because we got to max level again with new characters and everything. And we were running around one day and um, and then he saw his old character like out in the world. The, whoever bought that account Holy was out playing. His and and that bothered him a ton. And so then we actually changed servers and changed factions. And so he abandoned them all again, this time without any story. But well, uh, I guess that's better. <laughs> I guess. I guess. I don't know. 
But anyways, yeah, so we role-played in that some, too. <laughs> That's the conclusion of, of all that. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, anyway, I guess the whole point was that I'm trying to make is just that, like, when you create, when you, I think when games op- give you enough room to create your own stories, even if it's not, you know, like in Minecraft, there's room to create the entire story right. because there's not really a narrative to it. Um, something like Don't Starve technically has a story, but you could kind of create your own narrative in that if you wanted to. Mechanics are a little more limited, but, right. but still. Um, but I think when you have that opportunity to create your own, your own narrative, it, I don't know, I think it just, I think it, if it goes well, at least, it can be really, really endearing and it can make it almost more significant than something like a Final Fantasy. Like Final Fantasy VII is, you know, a game that everyone loves the story and finds super compelling. And a lot of people say it's the first time they ever cried in a video game or whatever. And and all of that's totally valid. And, and I'm not trying to delegitimize that at all. But I think that like what you're doing can in Minecraft right now can even have a deeper connection than something like that because yeah, you're more invested in it almost. For sure. Right? I mean, I think that there's, there's a lot of places where emergent gameplay comes out. And I think that's where like skins and customization a lot of people will say stuff like it's just cosmetic but like if that's if cosmetic stuff had no value it wouldn't be sold right like people wouldn't make money off of it sure yeah and and i think that that this ties in like so like you want to talk about a a strict storyline and a strict structure and a strict gameplay mechanic that i still had a ton of emergent gameplay in um which i know we've kind of mentioned a couple times before but that was the um the modern remake of XCOM. Mm-hmm. And yes, yes, yes. That's a perfect game. Go on. Like, yes. like my first soldiers played through the tutorial mission. Cause I hadn't played. I never played like the first time I sat down to play the new XCOM. I'd never played the game before. So I played the tutorial and you keep those characters and they're all like rookies in the tutorial and they don't know what's going on. Like the military has been shattered. So these are just kind of like off the street people willing to pick up a gun and fight aliens and they like level up i don't think it's by the end of this tutorial but they they can level up and get some traits and mm-hmm. things can happen to like if uh if one of them dies one of the other ones i think there were some mild personality traits if i remember correctly like if they got i don't know if that is if that's an xcom one it's definitely in two okay. in the second one because there's something about, like if, if they get like in one of the mods or the experience that could have been it too it i could be blurring some of my experiences sure. but i mean it's like seven years ago, right so. And, and so like i think one of them got grenaded so he was like shaken more easily mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and all and then somebody killed a guy in close combat so became useful with a shotgun like become an assaulter mm. uh, and all of a sudden i am attached to this like the story for me was not the story of XCOM and the aliens invading and the missions and the why we're here. The story for me was like Jacob, the assault guy is always going to be close to, you know, Sierra, the, you know, the assault rifle girl who gets shaken easily because they were in it together. They were in the muck in the in the beginning of this when they didn't know Mm -hmm. each other so he's always going to protect her and that's that story starts developing and she's gonna get first pick of like armor 
or or mind enhancing things that'll re- reduce shaking anything that she can do like smoke grenades or whatever to keep from being grenaded and so like that's not based on the tactics of the game that's not based on really i should be building varied squads to take multiple missions and spreading things out and stuff and and having my gear certain ways but nope all that goes out the window because i have my own story to tell and that's how this person is going to take care of that one and how you know it was a horrible day when you know corporal johnson sacrificed himself so that we could you know get this mission accomplished or something and like these long-standing stories that develop because these guys these same you know I probably had maybe like 10 of them because I did switch some of them out, but you switch them out with a new rookie and that rookie gets a story now. Yeah. Well, you have to sometimes because people will get injured. Right. So then they're not dead, but they're out for eight weeks or you know, however long. Um, I think actually in XCOM two, and I don't know if it was in the base game or if it was with one of the expansions, but I'm pretty confident that it actually added a, relationship mechanic so that it leans into what you're talking about where characters will get a benefit like yeah if they've survived a mission together there's a chance that they'll like proc a relationship or that kind of thing and so then they actually get a stat boost if you send them on missions together that's awesome um and there's another game series that i haven't played a lot of i actually own a copy i don't remember which one it is but a version of it on on the uh, 3ds but it's fire emblem which is a jrpg series and that actually has that same kind of system where I think it's maybe, I think it's really integral to the game where it builds in relationships between the characters and there's actually romantic relationships. And I think you actually have kids and like all of that. More than just Super Mario combos or like, like, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, The Mario RPG. I think it was a Super Mario Mario RPG. Yeah. On the Super. But yeah. there was like combo mechanics with the between the characters. Oh, okay. If you had two of them that went in the same battle together or something, but that's a lot more in depth than that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think I'm I'm so glad you brought up XCOM because I hadn't even I hadn't even thought of that while we were talking. And that is, XCOM is is a perfect example because XCOM does provide a ton of structure for where again Minecraft you could never leave the swamp that you're in and play for a thousand hours and nothing is stopping you from right. doing that. You're having a good time. Whereas XCOM definitely pulls you through a storyline and <clears throat> has level up mechanics and technology research and you build your base and all that stuff. But it <clears throat> it also does have a lot of room for what we're talking about. Like you just described. I mean, I, I was the same way. Like each time I've ever played XCOM, I always have to decide, like, am I going to make squads of soldiers that, like, if you're in the Alpha Squad, then you look like this and wear this armor, and you're for the Bravo Squad, then they wear this armor? Or do I do, like, all of the snipers wear this kind of gear, yeah. and all of the assault wear this kind of gear? Or if you're a certain rank, like, privates all wear this Ooh, kind of gear, yeah. and then generals all wear... And I always play with different things like that to try and create just what we're talking about, these kind of stories within the game that aren't necessarily forced on you i don't know why i never thought of having like different squads in armor or having it by rank i always go the power ranger option of like assault team gets yellow like Mm. snipers are blue uh you know and like i end up with just power rangers by the end of it but uh, that is that that thing that emergent gameplay of like 
these are the five chosen heroes. You know, they're going to go right. defeat the. Of course, they're freaking Power Rangers. Get some bright, right. bright pink camo on your gun and suit up, like. Right. <laughs> and they form the Megazord because there's the sniper and the assault rifle and the shotgun and the special <laughs> right. like tech ops guy. You know, like it just I. I and that's that's to me more important. Like the stories of those, like the XCOM story is pretty good. Like it's not groundbreaking, yeah. but it's pretty good. I enjoy it. Um, I, I didn't beat the second one legitimately, but I enjoyed both of them, you know, in their story and and a lot of the gameplay. But a lot of the reason that I was there was for the story of the characters. I was not there for the tactical combat. Even though the characters don't have, they don't have stories. Like the game has a story. The commander, you quote unquote, have a story and a, a place. But none of right. your soldiers will get name called at any point in the story as being an influential piece, right? Like it doesn't right. matter who your team is made up of in regards to how the story progresses. And some games, like a a Fire Emblem, there's a lot of RPGs that do have some references depending on who's in your party. But those have named characters and. and I guess XCOM does have named characters, but they're randomly generated. And in the second one, you can customize their faces to the point where they just look like your friends. And well, and, and you can do that too. You can go into one of the config files and set the names, yeah. So that even though they're randomly generated, it, it can randomly generate. You could do your friends, or there's lists you can import where people have like different celebrities or different athletes or you know whatever right. whatever flavor you want. Um, so that the next time you recruit a rookie, it's Neil deGrasse Tyson. I was like, well, that's <laughs> He'll go um, real good with Michael Jordan and Obama. That'll be our yeah. squad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Obama. Um, <laughs> Missing the 95% point blast, blast shotgun chance. Uh-huh. Good job. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's – and well, in the XCOM games are also – I think another reason that they're so good is that it's, XCOM is, is – like, I would say that StarCraft is the most stressful game that I've ever played. <laughs> okay. I've never played Fortnite. That looks more stressful, but I don't know if it is. That's fair. Um, but XCOM is almost as stressful as StarCraft, which is dumb because it's turn-based. Yeah, right. and, it, and there's little squares. and I mean, it's, it's, it's not anything like StarCraft. You could take an hour per move if you want. Yeah, but when you're in the fog and you know there's a crashed alien ship ahead... And that means that there's going to be at least four aliens, but it also means there's great loot, and you want that loot. You got to take some risks. You got to move out of the woods at some point. Overwatch won't keep you forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they do such a great job of never letting you have enough. Like, oh yeah, you never like similar. Again, it's nothing like Don't Starve, but it's kind of like Don't Starve in that no matter how long you play, you never get to a point where you're like. Well, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Right, I've beat because... the survival phase, so now it's just grind the story out. No, right, no, nope. You could still, you can still fail right now. Um, and XCOM does a really good job of that. So I think it because it pre- presents so many <laughs> awful situations for you to deal with, it just kind of naturally lends itself to being able to kind of have an understanding of maybe what these characters' motivations would be, or or how they would perceive things, or whatever, because. You know, like in in a game like I don't know, that's not a good comparison. But I was just saying, the game like like Civilization or something. <laughs> if I take my horsemen and attack the swordsmen of the Huns, I don't now feel like those swordsmen have any sort of story. Right. You know what I mean? Like I don't 
I don't care or the or the cavalry or whatever. Like I don't care about them any more than I did before that fight. But in XCOM, like because to survive the missions, like you really do have to buckle down and make some tough choices, and you really do have to sacrifice things a lot. No, I agree, and I think that even in something in a game where the choices still matter and it's still important, like a four X, like a space. 4x or something where what you choose to research is important and the order that you choose it influences how you play the game do you go for faster engines to expand faster or do you go for weapons to fight better you know and those have game impacting things and and there are good and bad choices to make but they're never like nothing is as stressful as having to choose like do we tech up to the laser shotgun or do we get the brain implant for the this other like there and you can only choose one between the time that you have between the or next there's like a countdown that's going to end the whole game and you can spend those same resources to extend that by a right. couple of days but then you don't get or, either right but maybe you get the laser shotgun and now you can go on one more mission before it all expires and get enough there to continue right like, that's why i think it's it's almost as stressful as starcraft even though it's not because it's not real time it's because similar to StarCraft, every decision that you're making has a ton of weight to it. And like, a and ton of permanency. Sick- yeah. Because even if you save scum in that game, the amount of time it takes just from one mission to the next, if you're two or three missions in, you're not going, you're not reloading three missions back. <laughs> so that's the thing that I, that actually, that I, I wish that I could, could change my mind about with XCOM is that, that I feel like if I reload a save, I'm save scumming, except it's not because that's how the game's intended to be played, right. which is why there's a separate mode called Iron Man, <laughs> and, uh, which has its own separate achievement right? where you can't save scum. I'm using air quotes there. Um, <clears throat> but despite knowing all of that, if I ever, even though I don't play Iron Man mode, if I reload a save, I feel horrible oh, yeah. about it. And usually that's what ends up, I, I that's usually when I end up being like, well, now I just have to restart and then I quit because it's I don't actually want to restart. Me cheating in a single block in Terraria, invalidating right. my entire build. Like, I get it. Right, right. But it, but it's, it, it's silly because it's an intended mechanic that you would be able to reload a save and go back and redo it so you don't lose everything. For sure. And like, Otherwise, it wouldn't be Iron Man mode. It would just be the default right, game default mode. Default game know? mode would be the Dark Souls of turn-based like, shooters. like Or the Don't Starve, yeah. where there is no option to save. And stuff. it deletes your like, entire save the minute you die. Like. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was trying to explain it to another buddy, and I was he was like, so you have to beat the whole game in one sitting? Talking about Don't Starve. Okay. And I was like, no you know if you log out it saves wherever you were when you quit and so then when you come back and he was and so he kept trying to figure out ways that he could like log in and out to cheat the state and yep. i was just like no you kind of <laughs> not going to outsmart this like in, in <laughs> vanilla you kind of can but in i think there's a there's a separate mode or a mod or something that makes it to where you can't recover even hardcore characters like which I, there is a there was a separate like mod or mode or something that you could could do that you couldn't recover it because you could you can take your save it may set you back a couple of days but you can copy your save out and paste it somewhere else right and then like if you die sure. you can, but that's well, still a lot of work like but there was right. there was another there was something I don't God I don't remember what it was now there was something where it would almost like encrypt your save file to where <laughs> it would 
check wow. it against a hash. So if you got to day 51 <laughs> and you try to reload the same character at day 49, it wouldn't work. I don't remember what um, did it, but there was there was something, there was some way, because I remember messing around with that and getting really mad that I couldn't reload a character and don't starve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that game is insanely hard. Anyway, though, to, to, to go back to what we were talking about, yeah, I just, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of, of any other games that, because uh, it's an experience that if I can find it, I love it. I mean, Terraria to some extent offers that experience because there's not really a story there. I mean, there's a there's certainly a path of progression with items you find and bosses you fight and, and there's, unlocking hard mode. There's hints at a story like there's like right. Eye of Cthulhu, Brain of Cthulhu, Moon Lord. Like, but there's nobody really like the Druid talks about the corruption some, but you don't know what it is or why it's there. Or... Right, and it's not really. Like when you first play the corruption, like on your first, like on a normal mode, when you start in the game, corruption or crimson, whatever you roll is like the evil part, except once you unlock hard mode, you unlock the hallow. And while that's all nice, happy things, they're still just as dangerous as the stuff from the crimson. Yeah, and it can the, convert the... your whole world too and nullify a bunch right. of blocks. So it's like, it's actually just as bad, even though it's not evil on its face like it still basically is right you know? there's too many unicorns and they're bad yes <laughs> yes yes but yeah i just i i really i really enjoy being able to to get immersed in a game in that way like one of the most fun gameplay experiences i've ever had which this isn't i don't know i guess this maybe doesn't count in the same way but it, it kind of does just because our goal was to do something that wasn't necessarily the intent of the game but there's this game called Payday 2 that's like a four-player co-op um, bank, bank robbing. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a bank heist yeah. game, yeah. Yeah. Well, what the game actually is, is a... We wanted to play it like a stealth game, because when you go and rob a bank, ultimately someone will call the police, whether it's a person outside or someone in the bank or the, the teller presses the alarm button or, or a security guard or whatever it is. But there are different things you can do to subdue them to prevent them from doing that. But what the game actually is, is you're supposed to go and rob the bank and someone's supposed to set an alarm off at some point. And then it turns into what is known as a siege shooter, kind of like um, like horde mode in Gears of War okay. or firefight in the newer Halo games, where it's just waves of enemies that you're, you're fighting. Right. Well, the problem with Payday 2, in my and my other friend's opinion at least, is that it's not actually that good of a shooter. So the siege shooter part of it actually is not not all that fun. The, the enemies are really bullet spongy. It feels cheap a lot. I don't know. That's it wasn't fair. fun. But we spent like two weeks practicing because all there's like four different classes and all of us had a different class. And we spent like a couple of weeks learning how to rob because there's like a jewelry store. And so that's really small and there's only like a couple of security guards and it's not as hard to rob. And then eventually there's a bank and, and whatever. And so, like, we, we practiced the jewelry store until we could rob the jewelry store without anyone being alerted. Nice. So we're, like, hand, like, we're, like, like duct taping people up in, like, the street that are walking by <laughs> so they can. Wow. We're, we're, we're killing guards and, like, there's a skill where you can talk on the radio and pretend to be the guard and be like, yeah, everything's fine and that kind of stuff. Um and yeah, just all sorts of different things that we were doing. And then eventually got to the bank and, and then 
it took us a long time because again, the game isn't actually designed. The goal isn't really for you to do it all stealthy. You're supposed to get into the gunfight, but we actually practiced it until we could, we could rob the bank without getting caught and, and not set any alarms off. And that was really cool. Um, but once we did that, it kind of lost its luster. Right. Because you you completed your – unless you want to continue about how you're divvying up the money and Ocean's Eleven style the rest of the game out. Like <laughs> there's none of that to yeah. be played though. But... And well, in the game, auto splits the money between right. everyone. So you can't even – You don't, you you don't get a, a point to treacherize. And... No, no. And they continue adding more missions, uh, which is cool, more content. However, a lot of the newer missions that they added – were just missions that that didn't have a way to beat it in stealth. Like there just comes a point where the alarm goes oh, off. Oh yeah, just prematurely. Yeah, right. So it kind of forces you into the shooter part. And yeah, we just. I mean, that, I think that emergent gameplay is really important. I think that it's easier rather to have emergent gameplay in something like. Um, like a multiplayer game, like an MMO. We talked a lot about emergent gameplay in like WoW and, and in traveling places or the lack of fast travel systems and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy to to claim you have emergent gameplay in a survival sandbox or a lot of sandbox games. Just assume that by the nature of the sandbox that you have emergent gameplay and that you have to make up all the stuff on your own. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of those, people will do the same things. Like there are sandbox style games that i really would like to play but they don't have it's not they they lack enough content and like stuff to build or ways to build or whatever they lack an engrossing enough world a a why to build right like scrap mechanic has a really awesome building system and a really involved logic system and is essentially Mm -hmm everything that i would want from a minecraft in the way of making things move like my biggest problem with minecraft is usually the fact that outside of sticky pistons and really annoying machines that that fly in one direction forever you can't move stuff around like right and uh, you know so scrap mechanic is is the opposite of that where everything can interact and there's all kinds of physics stuff and and programmable pieces that allow you to make transformers and stuff it's really cool stuff but it's in this small zone and i don't really feel a reason even like terra tech i i'd enjoy and they have kind of not a story but a little bit of at least a reason to be there but and that's a that's kind of a voxel gate based vehicle building game where you build vehicles and bases and stuff and explore this little world but there's not enough for me to find something to latch on to to care about like even even in something like like subnautica um where if if you get like the the cute fish which is basically this half squid half adorable creature like that can be a reason and even that can be a reason to try to like save it and build it a home and do things for it like or even that there's some story there but your brain can start filling in the gaps. I think there has to be a hint, enough hints of something there to give space to fill in the gaps. And I think that a lot of people try to assume that emergent gameplay will exist because there are sandbox elements and not because there are things to attach to. I think that like pets or NPC characters that have some involvement, but 
not like fully integrated, like not a Bioshock Infinite, but you know, something where a character is somewhat integrated and has some history, some reason for you to like latch onto it and want to build things for it, like building a house for the dog in Fallout 4 or, you know, just mm. something that you mm-hmm. can like I'm going to care about this for no reason other mm-hmm. than I want to and enough tools to allow you to do that. Like customizing, I don't think if I couldn't customize the armor as much as I can in XCOM that I would care as much, right? I'd probably still care a little bit about the characters and their history, but being able to like all of the rookies from the first round get the beret hat because that's their that's their thing now and nobody else gets berets. Right. Like that if I couldn't do that, then I wouldn't have as much of a story to tell, you know, and and I think that it's that fine line between enough customization, even in a game with a strict story, having something to differentiate yourself or the other NPCs in it, as well as enough hinting of structure and story to be able to build on top of your own, like to be able to have those fan stories, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I guess like all of life, um, there's just, there's a, there's a lot of nuance to it and and there's just a fine line. Um, It's kind of like a a point that I talk about constantly is, is the idea that tediousness builds immersion, but there's a really fine line. Right. Right. Like, like it's not simply that just doing something tedious makes it really immersive and engaging, but there is a, there is a, a, a way for that to be true where the tediousness does add a lot to it. Like I think in Minecraft traveling over the world on foot and even if you build a fast travel system with nether portals, you had to go build that. Right. And, and, and so it's like, even though it can be kind of tedious to do those things, it does build some immersion. However, also within Minecraft, going and digging for diamonds for hours on end is not a tediousness that I Right. You're not going to have a bunch of immersion past the first diamond. Right. Right. Um, So I don't know. It's but, but my point just being that I think it's similar with this idea that we're talking about where it's like, and that's why I was so excited when you brought up XCOM, because I think maybe it, it might be just the best example I can think of where it hits that perfect sweet spot where, there's enough narrative for there to be a story that happens independent of whether or not you come up with something to role play. But simultaneously, there's a lot of room for you to do that with. Cause I mean, not only is there ranks and classes, but there's also countries that they come oh, from. Yeah. Yep. So you can make like, this is my Japanese group or my far East group, or this is my NATO group. That's, you know, an American and a Frenchman and an Englishman, you know right. what I mean? Whatever you want to do, like, there's just a lot of ways that you can kind of tailor it to be your own experience that the developer never intended necessarily. Right. And not that they didn't want it, but just they didn't have to think of it. They let you think and of I it. Think, and then you feel ownership. I think that's where a lot of emergent gameplay comes from really is those unintended ways to play. And I think that that's where a lot of players find it's, it's leaving enough room for unintended gameplay without that gameplay being game breaking. Um, mm-hmm. and that's something that that's just hard to develop for. So I think a lot of people that try to develop for emergent gameplay, it's like, I don't know other, any other way to describe it other than it, it comes off like kind of cringy. 
like not in the sense that a bad joke does or your parents using cool words does but but in a way that it's just like you're trying to force me to play as if you weren't forcing me to play like Mm -hmm. like oh look at how hands-off i'm being but you're mm-hmm. still in the room. Like, I don't know. Well, I think honestly what it makes me think of is, is so I, I think that a good writer you know, of like mm-hmm. a, you know, a book, um, I think that a mark of good writing is that. So like, I have a friend that has a, a master's level, a master's degree in, in writing and is, 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 has written some pretty good stuff. And so like, there's this one scene that he wrote and it's just, it's a short story. And there was this one specific page of the short story that I was just blown away by. And what happens is these two characters go to a diner and one of them is selling a magical pen and the pen can basically create reality. And so he's, he's, he's selling in this magical pen and, and they go through a little exercise to prove that it works. And and that's what the scene is, but the way he described the scene and I don't, you know, I don't have it in front of me to, to reference it exactly, but it was like, he did an excellent job of the diner that, that they're in is basically like a, a, a greasy spoon breakfast type of joint or like a waffle house for a, a generic example of that. Right. Like here, luckily we have like cedars, you know, kind of like that. But for people who don't know, just think waffle house. <laughs> um, not as, and not that IHOP is nice, but not, not that, right. you know what I mean? Not, not that. <laughs> Two and truckers and drunk people kind of place. <laughs> right. But what he did was he did a really good job of creating that scene without going into like the the tabletops are red and the floor is this kind because it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't actually matter those things unless there's some specific detail that will then relate to the plot later. And so the whole point I'm trying to make is that it's like a good writer does a good job of creating a scene, but also having the reader create part of it as well. Right. And they do it with parts that aren't critical. Cause again, it doesn't matter what, like, again, he didn't say waffle house in the thing. That's just what I'm imagining. It it leaves you the openness to replace your CD dive bar with whatever is. So like anybody else that read it. So from somewhere else would replace it with their colloquial CD dive bar. Right. Exactly. And so I think that that's, I think it's similar to what we're talking about in these games where it's like, that fine line or that balance that needs to be struck is the ability to create enough of a game that you're engaged with it, but then also leave enough room for waffle house. You can still right exactly (laughs) for you to make it waffle house or cedars or whatever other greasy spoon place you have um, without explicitly insisting that, that that's what it is, you know, and and to be fair though, just, just to, to kind of clarify, I guess, after we talked about this for 90 minutes, (laughs) I, you know, Mario has no emergent gameplay and it's still an excellent game. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? So no, it's not to for say sure. that, Whereas with reading though, I actually, I actually just don't, I actually do think that that's just the quality, the mark of like a, a good yeah, quality. No, I, I agree that. And with, and it, with games, it's not. I think it's also different from something like maybe a, a interactive novel or something that would say like, or like a Mad Lib where like insert the name of a CD dive bar and then it mm-hmm. replaces that in the game. That's not emergent gameplay. 
Like, no, but right. that's kind of how it feels in some of these games that were like, oh, look at how hands off I am. Hey, what's the name of a mm-hmm. CD dive bar? Oh, look, emergent gameplay. Like, no. Right. But I, I think right. it's just it's interesting where we find that. And while it's true, I do have an easier time finding that in sandbox games. I love a lot of sandbox games. There's plenty of narrative story driven games that I think there is room for this. I think I had a lot of that in Warframe. Anything with like deep skin customization, I think it can be found in. I had tons of fun doing that in City of Heroes and City of Villains, which again I think promotes the idea of hey make up a superhero. And mm-hmm. but unlike your RPG experience, it limits the superpowers and tailors the gameplay a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it definitely right. leaves room for you know the hook-handed pirate insect superhero, like you know, and and their story. Right, right. So I think that there's Agreed. I think there's a lot of room for that. I think that it being done well is not necessarily a matter of intent to do it well, but it sometimes it is. Yeah. Well, like if you, if you look at a game like Skyrim or, or even the fallout, you know, Bethesda games, they do, they do it in an interesting way. Like, like in Skyrim, you can just run around and like, I don't even remember where it is. And I'm sure it's very common for people who have played it a lot. So it's not that emergent, but for me it was, <laughs> but like I'm running around out in the world and I hear like this voice kind of off in the distance. And so then I go towards it and it turns out there's this whole castle and there's this whole secret kind of quest line that no one sent me on. Right. And I only found because I happened to be out there and happened to hear that. Um, it's not exactly what we're talking oh. about because it's still a, a scripted narrative quest or whatever. But it, it it felt like I discovered it as opposed to go to the next town and collect 12 bear right. or, or even follow whoever. a wiki like. Right. It wasn't right. an internal quest progression that was just go here. It also wasn't a you had to find it because by Googling. You found it kind of by accident. And I think that, mm-hmm. especially in Bethesda games, I think that happens a lot more often. And I think that that's something that even a lot of other game developers like uh, Ubisoft with Assassin's Creed or like the Far Cry series, I think, try to touch on that. And they just mm-hmm. don't do a good job. Well, the problem with Ubisoft games, which I own most of, so you know, take that for what it's worth. I, I don't, I don't dislike them when I say that, sure. but, but, but the the issue that they suffer from is that they want, they want to make sure that that players know where stuff is, so the map is just littered with icons, right. so it doesn't feel emergent because you just know that you're supposed to go look for a thing, and even if the map doesn't start out with the icon on it, once you run past it. Now it's there. Even if you didn't actually look at it with your character right. and camera and see it, the game you knows can, that your radar. Yeah, you can go back whatever. to your map and be like, oh, I missed a thing back here instead of just missing it, like, and having right. to find it later. So I'm, right. I'm, long story short, I'm, I'm really stuck on Minecraft now. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking awesome for a new, I think another XCOM like experience would be, would be good, but it, it would have to be just the right game. I don't know if I'm feeling more sci-fi or more fantasy for what I play next, but... Uh, well, they've got that... I don't remember his name, but it's the guy who made the original XCOM games in the 90s. He has a new game coming out oh, yeah. that's in that vein. I think it's called, like, Phoenix Rising oh, yeah, or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's also uh, Outer Worlds, 
which is hidden. That just yeah, came that out. Just came out, and it's it's from um, whoever made New Vegas right. Subsidium. Yep. So it's their new IP. The reviews I read on it were pretty promising. Yep. I haven't. I, I actually thought about telling you, like maybe we should. I'm get gonna out let of that world, one shake down but... a little. I'm I'm not dropping Minecraft anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, I think that it, it's it's getting into the 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 wintry season where I hunker down with one video game sandbox and build for hours and hours and hours. And I don't know if that, that Minecraft is going to last me forever um, or even through this winter, but for the rest of this week, I'm definitely, <laughs> sure. that's where I'm sure. at. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Well, that will be uh, all for the episode today. Um, as always, you know, if you guys would like to interact with us, you can find us on Twitter at P U Y S pod, pick up your sticks pod is what that stands for. Uh, if you like this episode, please rate star thumbs up review, whatever the app you're on lets you do, uh, to, to give us props, please do that. Uh, it really helps us be more discoverable for new listeners and all that kind of good stuff. Um, otherwise, yeah, get out there and and play some games that, that maybe don't have, a hand-holding narrative and find some of that emergent gameplay and uh, yeah, pick up your sticks. Have a good one. Hey NFL fans, Dak Prescott here. Want to spend Sunday afternoons with your favorite teams and players? Switch to DirecTV and get NFL Sunday ticket included at no extra cost. I'm talking every live out-of-market game, every Sunday, no matter where you live. So switch to DirecTV to get the 2020 NFL Sunday ticket season included at no extra cost. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Out-of-market games only. Requires choice package or above. Minimum $74.99 a month before discounts. Prices higher in second year. Regional sports fee up to $9.99 a month applies. 24-month agreement, activation, other fees, terms, and restrictions apply.